Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Leading Off with True Blue LA. I'm Eric Steven, and today I have a very special guest, uh, John Wiseman, who um, for years uh, still still writes at Dodger Thoughts, but uh, very important anniversary coming up with that. Uh, and I can say, um, without without John, I'm certain I, w- I wouldn't have the my career writing in baseball that I do, um, or at least to the extent that I have so far. So very pleased to have him. Um, um, John Wiseman, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Eric. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so we, you were, you almost, you were talking about um, possibly doing some sort of get together for the, the 20th anniversary of the site. Um, I, I want to go back to the beginning. Uh, I was looking at this earlier today. Um, do you remember what you wrote in in the very first post at Dodger Thoughts? It could be wrong. Yeah, like it, the very first post was one sentence. Yeah, um, which was, uh, "Here's where I will uh, think or talk about my feelings about the Dodgers," um, which uh, is symbolic of the entire ambition of the of the blog, basically. Um, yeah. A blog that I started out of boredom, I guess, which is why it was so uh, timid or um, understated. You, you you almost had it like dead on. Uh, I, I wrote it down here because, you know, just because, but this is what you wrote. Uh, this is where I will vent. And if I ever, if I can ever feel so comfortable, exult about the Dodgers and baseball in general. And that's sort of, that's like a perfect encapsulation of, of sort yeah. of what you, you've done over the years. Um, I, you, you mentioned you started it out of boredom. Like, do you remember, I know you, through your writing and everything, you, you grew up watching the Dodgers, but was there, what, what was sort of the genesis of thinking I'm going to actually start a blog, like to write about them, like to sort of make that leap? There's basically two parts to that. Um, the more pragmatic part of it was I was bored at my job. It was 2002. I mean, it was a good job, but I just, uh, it was not a challenging job and I had some free time on my hands and I would spend that time looking at the internet and I felt like I'd gotten to the end of the internet. <laughs> like I had, uh, this is a much, I mean, I know that's silly to say, but things were uh, different then and a lot less overwhelming with the internet than they are now. So not literally that I felt like I'd gone to the end, but I just felt like there was nothing left for me to really look at that was in my interest. Okay. So, um, and I had a friend who had started a blog that was basically, you know, still exists, but was really popular then, which is I'm going to ramble about myself and just what's on my mind and so forth. And, you know, she had started on blogger, I think. And so I just copied that and I just didn't, I mean, you can't even, 
uh, imagine how prehistoric it would seem now. I mean, obviously there are some people here who are listening to you who are probably toddlers when this was happening. Um, then the more uh, content related stuff of it was that this was also an era where not no one, no one was blogging about the Dodgers. I think, um, uh, I think Howard Cole claims or was the first one to be doing it. I wasn't aware of it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not disputing that claim. I'm just saying I wasn't familiar with it, but basically no one that I, to my knowledge or no one else was writing about the Dodgers and the internet, no one on the internet was writing about the Dodgers. And of course the mainstream newspapers were really resistant at that time, or it didn't even occur to them to do um, anything other than basically game stories, advanced game stories and, you know, features here and there, you know, standard ballpark features, and then you'd have a column. Um, uh, ESPN, you know, covered baseball, but they didn't cover a team. So they're, even what I in what I consider was the heyday of Sports Center, which was well maybe the '90s, but maybe still going at this point. You got no in-depth coverage of the Dodgers at all, and uh, local news was big, was a big place where you got news. And of course, they only got gave you five minutes from eleven twenty-five to eleven thirty, so there was no coverage. Um, and I'd grown up reading Bill James, and uh, among others, I actually got a Bill James annual the year before he got a publisher. So he had a two inch ad in the sporting news saying, I have this thing where I've collected, I don't know what it said, but um, I have this thing where I've collected my analysis and I, maybe I'd read it, something he had, some article he had published, but I wrote it. I wrote into and sent in the 495 or whatever it was. It was self-published. I mean, literally it was like a, it was a cover that you would do on, I can't even think about it. It was 1980 or 81. So it was just, you know, it was basically by hand. Yeah. And I got it and I loved it. And I, well, you know, when he was doing those baseball annuals, he would do it every year and he would do it. So it was so interesting and so unconventional. And that was a big factor. Um, 20 years later about why I started. Cause I want, no one I really had a lot of thoughts about the Dodgers that no one was expressing. Really, no one. It was very much, you know, RBIs, batting average, clutch, you know, all the old cliches about baseball that we kind of dismiss now. Um, but for then, those were do not only dominant, that was all that was out there. This is a really long answer to your question. No, no I mean, that, that's good because, like, we – I'm not sure I ever, like, knew – I mean, I knew, you know, just I, I just wanted to sort of know the origin, of that, and that's perfect. Like, that. that's, like – like perfectly explains exactly like how it happened. Right. Like, so. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was this obvious to me, enormous gap of baseball yeah. coverage, especially and in this case about the Dodgers. Now, on the other hand, I didn't think anyone, I had no illusions that anyone was going to read it. I wrote up, I think what was my second post, which I believe began. So what do we have to say about this team? And this was July, 2002, which was, you know, not a great season. Was it a? Yeah. Was it a Davy Johnson season? Yeah, um, that was. Wait, it might have been early Jim Tracy, because I think Johnson um, only lasted two years, right? That that is a little bit of a Jim blind Tracy. spot. Yeah, it's yeah, a I mean, thoroughly I was, un, yeah. thoroughly uninspiring season, as I recall. Sure. Um, 
And uh, I literally wrote my second post, which was an, any number of paragraphs, four or five or seven, about that was sort of staying the Dodgers. And I published it and then I sent the link to my brother. And that was it. Mm. Like I had no, there was no tweet deck, no Twitter and no Facebook. I don't believe there was no social media. So how was I going to get people to read this? I, there was no, so I sent an email yeah. to my brother. And then the next day I sent one to my friend. So I doubled my readership. And then was, was, was it took baseball, me probably a year. It took me probably a year to get 40 readers. I would say. Yeah. Was, was baseball primer around back then, which I guess now is baseball think factory. Was yes. that, was that before 2002? I, I was, it I was actually, yeah. It was around there. It was my dream to get an article mentioned yeah. on there. I mean, not, not, I'm not exaggerating. Um, it's how I found out about Aaron Gleeman, who at the time was, he beat me to the blogging. He was in this field fairly well established. He was at the time, I think 20 years old, you know, I was, uh, I was 35. Um, and he was, in college at the University of Minnesota, if I'm not mistaken, and he got rejected by his high school paper. They wouldn't let him write about sports there. Yeah. And so he started his blog as kind of like, I can do this. And I, this is what I care about. And I'm not going to worry about the school newspaper. And I'm going to do this. And of course, it was ridiculous. He could write from the very beginning. He wrote a great, great blog. I didn't care about the twins at all. Yeah. And but you, I would you wrote, read about you them read, yeah. every day. Um, I think I somehow became aware of Alex Belf at doing Bronx banter early on. We mm -hmm. became friends. Um, one of us wrote each other, but it was so small. It was such a small universe. And uh, one of my big memories was the following May. So it was probably 11 months in or 10 months in, I wrote the buttercup piece, which was this long, long history of the, um, Pedro Delano de Shields trade and why it happened, which I researched quite a bit. And it was, a, I think, a great piece. I mean, it was the piece I was proudest of in that time. And I remember waiting for, I was like sure that Baseball Primer would discover it and publish it. Um, pretty sure this was also AOL dial-up days where you weren't on the internet, you had to like, you know, you'd get those you, you, AML, you, AOL CDs that they hand out of like oh supermarkets. Yeah. So you'd have an account through them and you would have to dial up on your phone and get the scratchy modem sound. And then <laughs> they would charge, I think they charged you by the minute or at some point they certainly did. I don't know if 2002 they did. DSL was, was like, was not a given at that point. It was not you know, at all. I didn't yeah. it. Sure. I, I don't think I had it at work. I did. Um, but this was on a, I published it on a Friday. That was my first mistake was I published it on Friday. Um, but, uh, and I would look all weekend, like several times a week and I would dial up on AOL and get the, you know, slow loading baseball program. They never found it. I don't know how I thought they were going to find it, <laughs> but it didn't I, come up. I was trying to think how, how I, when I first started reading you, I, I know what it wasn't like, right at the beginning it wasn't like super late into it but I, I was i had like a pretty 
boring office job. It was in commercial real estate and I, I wasn't a broker or anything, but it was at a brokerage. And I spent a lot of time uh, in, in those jobs, uh, or it was a couple companies. And, um, I just spent a lot of time during the workday, like looking, reading baseball stuff. And it was baseball primer. It was the, um, the, the ESPN message boards back then were pretty good. Like in terms of just like yeah. alternative thoughts uh, about baseball and, uh, also Rob Nyer when I believe it was still called ESPN zone at the time. Yeah. Uh, Rob was uh, big. I forgot about him, but he was, a, he was yeah. a big deal at ESPN. Uh, but, yeah. But I'm certain, like, uh, so the, the both Primer and ESPN boards had, like, the community aspect, right, where you, you could discuss stuff and, you know, talk about it. And then that sort of becomes the – not. I mean, the content is obviously great, you know, or whatever. It doesn't – but it doesn't have to be to have, like, a successful part of the site. So – and I, I don't remember exactly when I gravitated over, but it was, like – oh man, this is great, like to dodge your thoughts. And like, because, you know, same thing, like it really was traditional newspaper type coverage. I I was trying to think who was, if if it was Tony Jackson or Diamond uh, Leung, who was like the first to do like, I, I, I don't, I had like blog style stuff, or it was just that they would get stuff up online relatively right. quickly. Um but even well, that blog was, was a like dirty, different. Exactly, blog was yeah. a dirty word for years. Yes. Like no one would say they were doing a blog and um, like there was such contempt for it that even if they were writing stuff online, they would never characterize it as anything other than we're do, putting a story online. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll ask this. So um, oh, I, I was, I couldn't, I, I was, my plan was to, I was going to try to figure out on the, because the baseball toaster is still like up, you know, um, and you can, but it's hard, it's not necessarily the best at like searching specific, like, especially in the comments. And I, I was going to try to find like when my first comment was like that. And then I quickly abandoned that because it became too difficult. Um, well, yeah, the other so, thing is that um, a few of us banded together, um, including Rich Letterer. Yeah. Um, a few hours we uh, created this thing or joined together on this thing called all-baseball.com. I think that uh, URL is, still exists in some other form, but that was the first uh, band of bloggers. <laughs> and uh -huh. uh, that was the first time I had a comment section. And uh, that's kind of where I could actually start, start to build an audience because other readers would gravitate for it. And then all those comments got real they didn't survive the transition. They're all gone, uh, which is a shame because I think that's where I was when the, uh, Paula Duca, Brad Penny trade, uh, happened, which was a, Oh my God, it brings, I'm getting PTSS just thinking about it. But, um, that was where faith, I think famously, I think it was Bill Plaschke went all into the heart and soul of Paula Duca and what the Dodgers were giving up. And completely ignoring what a great pitcher Brad Penny was. And then, and Brad Penny was a great pitcher. And then he got injured in his second start. Oh, that was Hesop Choi, too. Um, and uh, that's where, like, I know Phil Gurney, I think, discovered me through that trade. And I think a few other people did. And we had a very spirited debate there. Um, but yeah, all, that, all the remnants of that are gone, basically. Yeah. 
I, I remember I was, um, we had a family reunion in, in California. We had a bunch of relatives from like Colorado come out. And so we were kind of doing stuff around and I, I'm sure I was, uh, we were driving somewhere that day when the news happened and when the trade happened. And then part of our reunion was, was going, there was like 25 of us or something going to a Dodger game and it was Brad Penny's first start. And I think he went eight scoreless and gave up two hits and got booed yeah. at the yeah. <laughs> because he wasn't Paul Duca. <laughs> like <laughs> Paul Duca, like somehow the most famous, uh, the most beloved Dodger of that group. I, I don't get it, but yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, there, there was definitely a disconnect uh, then, and which made it which made it really. It got to the point where, but also like, I I'm certain I I sort of at least like in family type arguments and stuff. I, I, I remember this. I was too, I was certainly too combative when I was younger and, and younger, like in my probably late twenties, because you know, this about the time when I'm discovering, Oh, Eric Caro's going 30 home runs, hundred RBIs every year. Isn't necessarily like the greatest season, Yeah. but then also turning that going too far. And I just remember one time in the car with both of my older brothers and I just said, Eric Caro sucks. And then just to, and it was more just to get a reaction from them. But like, I don't believe he sucks, right? But like, I was just trying to prove my point so hard. Like, you guys don't even know what you're talking about. And then, that, of course, we fought. And, uh, but yeah, it was, it was that kind of, that, that was sort of the era, I think, of, uh, of, of, you know, when, when Dodger Thoughts came in. I, I, would, I would characterize that. Yeah. Uh, um, it was an uphill battle, to say the least. <laughs> Um, I, I, I couldn't think of a lot of these. I wrote a few down, but I don't want to give them away, but I'll just ask you. So, you know, during Dodger thoughts, like the entire history or just the heyday or whatever, was there a favorite like nickname, um, and, or like branded thing that came about because of the site, uh, for you? You mean a nickname of a Dodger? It, it could be like it could be that it could. I was trying to sort of widen it a little bit, like whatever you like comes to your mind. Like it could be a nickname of a Dodger. It could be like a play. Uh, I, I, I now that I say that, I can think of a few more examples. It could be like you know whatever, like just that exists pretty much because of the site. <laughs> like well, um, I don't, oh okay, that exists. I mean, four plus one is the is the biggest sure. thing. That's the yeah. one I'm literally. Um, it's almost like my tombstone thing Yeah, is that I created the shorthand for the four plus one uh, game and that everyone uses it. Like everyone uses it like it was in like God brought it down or Moses brought it down or something. Um, and the thing about it is the thing I remember the most about that game, which I think at the time set a comments record on the site was uh, Z Frank. Mm -hmm. That's how you pronounce it. I never quite got the pronunciation of his name, which was ironic because he was so big yeah. on that. Um, writing the comment, you know, game day seems to be broken. All the Dodgers are hitting home runs. Um, and that co his comment made it into Sports Illustrated. They called it, you know, Sports Illustrated did their UN sports issue. And the four plus one game was the game of the year. And Verducci, Tom Verducci, used that comment in his story, which is remarkable because yeah. – it, it was somewhere 700 comments into a comment thread 
on Dodger thoughts. Um, it can't, it's to this day, it's still kind of impossible for me to fathom. And that was kind of in a way, even though my name wasn't mentioned, even though the name Dodger thoughts wasn't mentioned, it was kind of like a big moment that I'm proud of. And I didn't, I didn't even write the, wasn't even my words. So, sure. Oh yeah. Um, I, so four plus one was one of the runs, ones I wrote about, I, but and, and I wrote two like player nicknames down. I know one stuck, one is not as popular, but uh, yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have thoughts on either uh, the Minotaur or the Bison? The Bison is my favorite because, yeah. um, and again, I didn't create it. It was sort of a, it was collaborative, and that's what I like about it. Um, let's say D for P maybe was the one who said, Oh God, I could be wrong about this, but I feel like it was D for P and Bob Timmerman. One person said he's like a Buffalo. And then another person corrected and say, he's, there was some specific reason he was a bison and not a Buffalo. I think I want to say it stemmed from Don Sutton on the call of like his debut, which was, that, I think, I think you're right. He called him the Buffalo. But then I was thinking right? like, how would, how would we have? Yeah, I think that's right. Or like going downhill, like a Buffalo or something like that. Right. And, but yeah, but now I come to think of it, like how were we watching? Was it, were they still TBS heavy back then? I don't even, I, uh, I, I memory so. hold a lot of that. Like, but like, it just seems weird that we would be watching the Don Sutton broadcast of, or, or at least be aware of it. Given that, you know, immediate internet clips weren't exactly like at the ready at the time. That's a good question. Although TBS could have easily still been a thing there. And sure. maybe the game wasn't an L, you know, like, and I mean this in the most loving way possible, like the spoiled fans of today. Oh my God. Um, you didn't have, you, you, there was no entitlement to getting 162 games a year on TV. It was actually still kind of a treat. I think, I mean, certainly um, when I was a kid, like I would, pray for the Dodgers to be on the NBC game of the week because otherwise they were only on weekends and or against the Giants. Um, I don't think there were even 50 games a year where the Dodgers were on TV. So it could have been a TBS thing. Um, that definitely, that rings true to me. I, and then I feel like I did my share of trying, of trying to publicize it and using it in my game stories, calling them the bison uh, it kind of when I was in college, uh, we tried to give Sean Elliott the name of nickname of the Cobra. <laughs> me and this fellow Stanford Daily friend of mine, and I mean, it did not catch on <laughs> sure. because again, only two guys writing about it in the Stanford Daily in the pre-internet era it wasn't. It was going to be a struggle to get that to take off. It wasn't like Urban Magic Johnson or anything. The bison kind of took off a little, a little bit in some corner, and then they, there was that video. Do you remember the? Was that the robot made of nails one? Or yeah, no? <laughs> that video. Yeah. That was it. Was that video where <laughs> someone took the bison and used it in this sort of half tongue in cheek? But like Matt Kemp was in the in the video and being called and the bison. Were there like? Didn't at some point he like wore shoes to that effect, like with the bison on them? Or maybe not. Yeah, I know he, he said like I I remember him being like, no, I don't like the nickname. But but then like the you know, in fairness, like 
good for him if he got like paid because of it or whatever. But like, I'd like yeah. to think so. But when I went to the premiere of Bluetopia, which was this, I guess, documentary film about the Dodgers, a real documentary film, uh, but where the, one of the parts of it was uh, they showed me meeting Vin Scully. Oh man. And uh, which I've shown that to my kids and they just laugh because I look so <laughs> stupid in it. Um, but there was an actual premiere party for it um, that the Dodgers sponsored or something. And I met Matt Kemp there. Um, keep in mind, I never, one of the big things about Dodger thoughts was that I never got to, I never went to the games to cover them. I mean, the big thing was being an outsider. And uh, I mean, that's a whole nother story about how Josh Rowich credentialed uh, bloggers. But um, I went there and introduced myself and very sheepishly said, I'm, it's my side who came up with the nickname bison for you. And he said, and he just kind of shook his head and walked away. <laughs> so it didn't, he either didn't know what I was talking about or he wasn't happy about it at all. Um, and that, so it didn't. Oh yeah. It's going to say he's the hall of fame president now, like the small world. We Josh, live in. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, what an all incredible right, right. career he's had. I have a few more questions for you, but we'll we'll do that a little bit after the break. So, you you mentioned um, like TV games. I was thinking about that too earlier this season. Uh, I've since abandoned it because it, it, I, the research is too much. It was it was too big of a project to like finish, especially like during the baseball season. But I had a bunch of I was going through old like newspapers.com and and some media guides and stuff and trying to figure out exactly how many games they had on television each year. And like mm. as late as like 93, maybe 94, they were like 50 games. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, I think maybe a hundred if you, uh, once they like, Oh, I, whatever the year was, they added KTLA to KTTV that like sort of doubled things. And, and then, yeah, but like, yeah, but then there was always, I, growing up, I never, I mean, we barely had, we, we had like normal cable, but we never, we certainly never had pay cable. It, it took a long time to get like the sort of the MTV level of cable in, in our house. And Me so and we, we certainly never had like the Z channel or whatever the, the pay-per-view one that where they had home games televised, which was obviously a rarity. We had on TV. That was when I was a kid in oh. 1980 or so. Um, I think Jeff Witcher was the play-by-play -play guy on that. That rings and, a bell. Uh, and Rick Monday was involved. Um, I want to say he was like the pregame host. But, yeah, we paid for that. It was really – it came over the air, I think, on like Channel 52 or something. But it was scrambled unless you paid for it. Um, that was pretty good. I may be underestimating how many games were on the air when the Dod when Dodger thought started, but um, I don't know. Things are just very, very different now. When the whole um, uh, dispute came with the channel starting in like 2014, um, I just remember thinking this is a shame, but also like this is really no different than it was when I was a kid. So I had. And of course, I'd started working for the Dodgers, which was a bummer. But I understood that it was really DirecTV that was holding it up. It really was. I mean, I could go on about that. But they basically 
anytime the Dodgers made a concession, they would, they would move the goalposts. Um, and they th- were found out to be like, I don't want to get into this. Um, they're conspiring. They're doing all this bad stuff. And it really kind of bothered me. I'm going to get slandered uh, a libel lawsuit for talk- talking about this. I'm going to stop. <laughs> um, I was, I was going to ask this. So, you know, you, by the time you uh, was were hired by the Dodgers, you had written at Dodger Thoughts for over a decade. Um, was at, Did you ever think of that? Or, like, I guess at what point did you think that was something that was attainable? Or, or did you ever even think of that as something to do? Like, um... I, I don't think I thought it was attainable. And it wasn't... Um, I mean, sure, it was always like, boy, wouldn't that be cool? But I don't, and I had, ta- I had, I used to have lunch with Josh Rowich once a year because he was so friendly. He was truly, and I think you know this, Eric, he was truly one of the p- first people, I think, anywhere in the country to recognize the value of expanding credentials to bloggers and also like the value. Look, I was an outsider and no, everyone knows I'm not the most critical guy about the Dodgers, but at the same time, I was, as an outsider, I was perfectly willing to point out things wrong with the team from literally day two. And, uh, but he understood that, you know, first of all, it was no different from the mainstream papers. They could be super critical and to embrace these guys and form a connection with these guys, these bloggers was only to the benefit of the organization. So, you know, the fact that he would credential us and then eventually True Blue LA and others, you know, we used to have those blogger nights, remember, yeah. once a year until, and those stopped because blogging became so mainstream. But at the time, it was like, oh my God, they're letting us into the stadium. And, uh, but I'd have once, lunch with him once a year and be like, do you see any opportunities here or there? And we would talk about it, and there was basically none. Um, and then when I was in 2012, um, I was with Variety and I was actually covering the formation of the Dodger TV channel. Maybe it was 2013. Um, and I, uh, Josh himself connected me with Lon Rosen and, and I said, I was looking, I wasn't, I still wasn't looking for a job with the Dodgers. I was wondering if I could get a job working for, uh, not sports in LA. What was it called? Time Warner? Uh, yeah. I don't remember what the first, whatever it was called. Yeah. And Lon said, no, <laughs> no sure. um, but um, I may have something for you here. And he didn't say what it was, but then uh, over the course of nine months, it kind of, emer- it kind of evolved into the position I got, which yeah. was to bring the Dodgers themselves into a more serious online era as well as, you know, do the magazine and all that. Sure. So, you know, you, in writing Dodger Thoughts over the years, um, you worked at Variety, and then after the Dodgers, you're, you're at Showtime. You've raised a family um, <laughs> during that. How in the world did you find time to write two books? Um, 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 well, you know, I did dial back on Dodger Thoughts daily posting to make that happen. That's number one. Um, And 
the first book I wrote mainly because uh, my youngest son was born uh, either a week before or a week after I got the offer. Um, so I got those and the, the baby came and the offer came in the same month. And they wow. gave me a six month deadline, or I think they gave me a four month deadline. I said, geez, can I have six? And they said, okay, but basically, um, I would write till nine o'clock after dinner and then we would go to sleep for, uh, three or four hours and the baby would wake up for a feeding. And so then I'd be up at one o'clock and I would write again because the baby was up and I did that a lot. And, uh, you know, you sneak in time. I mean, weekends, obviously. And you find time during the day to sneak time, sneak a little. And, and I knew what I was doing. I mean, like, those two books have a real roadmap. Once you figure out what your structure is going to be, um, it's really just going. I don't want to understand what I did. I'm proud of what I did. But it's really like you have a structure and it's like fill in the blanks. Sure. Um, I came up with a list of 100 things plus these sidebars. I would go in. I mean, I had more than enough to write about. The Dodgers went back to the 19th century. Um, with the pitchers, I figured out how I was going to do it, who the pitchers were going to be, you know, some process of elimination. But then it was just like, okay, research every pitcher and write about them. And it took time, um, but it was it was a pretty clear beginning and end and journey. So um, that made it easier. Um, there was some point, I can't remember which year it was, it was either 2017 or 2018, I think it was 18, um, where I was approached to, to write like a, it was like a top 50 moments, um, Dodgers book. And I, I did it or I, I said I would, but I, I wildly underestimated the amount of work that goes into that. And at the same time also doing, you know, the day job and all that stuff. So I just couldn't do it. And like after a few months, I, I had to like, you know, walk away and like, I just, I, I sort of, re I regret it, but at the same time, I didn't want to like half ass it either. So like knowing that I, I, I'm, I'm sort of glad I recognized that I wouldn't be able to like do it at least as relatively early in the process as possible. But yeah, I, I always, the, 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 the time management aspect is just, it just seems like there's there's not enough hours in the day to, to get something like that. Yeah. Done. The first one I was still doing Dodger Thoughts on a daily basis, but um, I don't know if I, without the baby, I don't know if I would have been able to do it because it just got me out of bed. The second ah. one, um, I started conceiving it while I was still working for the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. um, and then I left the Dodgers. But I and I, when I got to Showtime, I was like, look, I just want, you know, I'm doing I'm in the middle of this. Um, just in, uh, it didn't affect my work, but I just want, didn't want them to be, be taken by surprise by it. And uh, I don't know, it was hard. It did, it is time consuming. I was, there were late nights, uh, a lot of them. But I mean, I would wake up sometimes with sentences going through my head. <laughs> like, you know, when you play Tetris and you're stuck seeing the shapes in your, <laughs> in your dreams, basically. Um, but I don't know. I always have the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, in brothers in arms, the, the second of those two Dodger books, um, you wrote about the, the rich history of Dodgers pitching and 
one of the people in that book that I was sort of a blind spot spot for me growing up um, that I didn't know much about was Red Adams, um, the pitching coach, uh, like um, before Ron Paranoski, I guess, for, for those of a certain age. And like the more I read about him, the more fascinating he, he is and, and becomes and was. Uh, but so I recently interviewed his grandson who wrote a oh, book wow. about him and the book is chock full. It's like a good book just in, of like Red Adam's stories, like both as a player and then as a coach. But then like the last like 40 pages is just, I guess for lack of a better term, it's just testimonials from like former Dodgers. <laughs> like, and they're just all of them gushing about what a great guy he was. And like, I know the Don Sutton Hall of Fame speech, but like, uh, sort of called him out and said what, you know, he's the, like the gold standard for pitching coaches and all this. And I don't know where did you, I guess going into it, you're older than I am. And, and we're, I'm sure he was there when you were like watching games as a kid. Did you, what did you know about him then? And like, did you, what did, in reporting the book, did you, what did you learn that was new about him? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have written about him in the book if, the people I interviewed didn't keep bringing him up. So it's the yeah. same kind of thing. He was the pitching, he was the first pitching coach when I started being a fan. Um, I mean, he was the pitching coach when I started being a fan, but I wouldn't have given him very much of a second thought. Um, well, let, let me, I take that back. I was paying attention when I was writing the book, I was paying attention to who the pitching coaches were. I was paying attention to who the catchers were because there was kind of a similar thing. Uh, Roseboro, uh, Jaeger, even Joe Ferguson, Sosha, um, I'm leaving someone out, but there was a great line of catchers that pitchers would credit. Um, Camp Bell. Um, and, uh, but people, yeah, people kept talking about Red, uh, Red Adams, Sutton speech. He said, I wouldn't be here. I think, I think he said, I wouldn't be here without Red Adams. And I, so I did some research on Red and he had a hell of a life. Um, and he was a star in the in for LA minor league teams, you know, PCL teams before the Dodgers arrived there. Um, he was like the PCL Shohei Atani, I think, basically. And uh, I guess there were probably more guys like that back then. Um, Paranowski, kind of, I mean, amazing too. He was probably the most important. He's probably the most important relief pitcher in Dodger history because of being being a, having a tremendous playing career having a being a Dodger pitching coach that had a great effect on people and then being a minor league instructor for a lot of these guys um Charlie Huff has some similar credentials where it's just like you know over the course of 60 years with the exception of when he was traded away just a huge contributor to so many pitchers and since I was right when I was writing the book about Dodger pitching, and literally in the title had Dodger pitching tradition, I was trying to figure out what was the connective tissue uh, that kept this up, rather than just like sheer good luck of getting the right pitchers. And that was the connection: was they had such a strong foundation of. I mean, this went back to Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey was you know he's, it's Jackie Robinson to ninety percent of the people. That's all he's known for but he was truly a baseball guy and he's the one who really set down um, the fundamentals of what the Dodgers should pursue 
or were trying to instruct in pitchers. And it flowed from him into kind of the level of instruction you saw. Um, and I would argue that it even continues today because you see so many Dodger pitchers, big or small, flourishing. You know, we're kind of, the Dodgers are kind of like um, Grand Central Station for taking a pitcher in and then, uh, I should probably say Union Station, <laughs> for taking a pitcher in and then turning them around. Um, a lot, not always, but a lot of times. But yeah, um, boy, the praise Red Adams would get from so many people, some Tommy John loved him. God, yeah. um, there are other examples too, but just like Tommy John wouldn't, you know, went on and on about him. And that's so it was a big deal. He was a big deal. Yeah. Well, so the anniversary of Dodger Thoughts is coming up July 21st. That's the 20th anniversary. Um, do you, are, <laughs> this is a weird question, but are you getting like a cake or what are you, what are you doing on, on that day? Um, cake's a good idea. Yeah. Um, I can be, t I can promise you that no one will get me a cake. <laughs> so first place ice cream, cake. perhaps like <laughs> some um, equivalent of that. And like first place, first place ice cream was awesome. When I worked there, I have to say oh. they really like, you had multiple flavors. Um, it was a good deal. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, uh, I don't know. I'll find a way of a moment of quiet celebration. I guess I might go to the game. You know, I don't have any plans to go to the game right now. I was going to have that gathering, but it kind of, <sighs> what can I tell you? I got lazy. I didn't want to organize it after I put out that initial word. So um, I quietly can't canceled it um, with some embarrassment, um, but maybe I'll get myself to the game. Um, Boy, the ticket prices have gotten so much expensive since more expensive since 2002. <laughs> to yes. say, uh, well, I, I had one year. This was when I was about 23 or something. I was out of college, and I went on. I went to 70 home games. Wow! No, 69 road games and one 69 home games and one game in San Diego. Mm. And uh, I once went 13 days in a row, and that was just me as a fan. You know. Yeah. Um, so I, there was a time, but now I go probably five times a year. Yeah. Um, just too bad. Cause I love going. Um, but yeah, it'll be a, a moment of quiet. Maybe I will ex vent and exult about the Dodgers on that day. <laughs> you, That's you pretty just good. Go, go off like, damn it, Dave, like Dave Roberts, what are you doing? You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. Classic. Classic Dodger thoughts stuff. No, it'll be a one sentence day. Yeah. Classic Dave. Dodger thoughts. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I ended up. Be, I didn't put that in the initial post, but I ended up being much more aiming to be poetic than I knew I was going to be. I'm sure poetic. That's kind of the wrong word, but just more writing, more into the actual writing aspect of it because that was the thing that got me. Uh, that was the thing that got me out of sports writing at the beginning of my career was that I thought I was going to be a sports writer for fifty years and then retire, and then I realized I really liked the writing much more than the reporting. So that sent me off on this journey that for uh, 10 years or more, I, I didn't do sports writing. And I felt like I had fit officially retired from sports writing when I wrote a letter to the LA Times sports section, because then I'm just a fan writing a letter. And I thought, okay, well, that's it. I can't be a sports writer anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah but I came back, point. I rallied. 
Um, Who's okay, one, one um, sort sort of related question, but not really. Um, one of your other sites on, or I guess your other site on Baseball Toaster was Screen Jam, um, <laughs> about uh, like television and movies. And one of the things I always remembered from you, and that I, I've sort of tried to adhere to this over the years, although it's uh, the reason I'm asking is because it's hard now. But you were big on um, trying to avoid spoilers, uh, or like you know, just in going in yeah. because it sort of ruins the whatever the intent of any sort of twist, right? And so I, that when you wrote that, the internet wasn't what it is now. And is that still possible to to avoid spoilers, like in this day and age, or like I guess to the extent that you want? Um, first of all, you're giving that site way too much credit by even bringing it up. Sorry. But, um, no, it's fine. Uh, my biggest memory of that site was a deep dive into, it was a review of One Tree Hill after oh, the premiere, <laughs> <laughs> which I, that shows you that I was going to cover everything. And then like two months yep. later, I was done. Um, spoilers are... Yeah, it's night and day as far as that goes. Um, I think I was worried about spoilers mainly in the comment section. Because uh, I, after I abandoned Screen Jam, I was still putting up some TV stuff on Dodger Thoughts because I had nowhere else to put it. Like I would put up lost episode chat threads. Oh, um, man. Forgot about and, that. Uh, and I was big, like, you can't spoil Lost. Yeah. But it wasn't because right. the internet was going to spoil it. It was because commenters I was worried about spoiling. That's, yeah, um, that's fair. Uh, it's hard now, obviously, but, uh, and we're still conscious of it. Um, now that I'm working on the inside, um, I think people are aware on the internet to try not to, you know, I think the unofficial policy is you have 24 hours to watch something. And then after that, uh, you know, it's, there's no stopping anyone from that point. That's fair. Um, well, I, I still have uh, friends that I met on Dodger Thoughts, uh, and uh, without Phil Gurney, like speaking of old abandoned blogs, it's still up. But my first blog was a, a sort of card by card review of the 1987 Donruss set. Um, and I think I got like six or seven cards in, and then Phil Gurney, who you mentioned before, from the who we knew from Dodger Thoughts comments, was writing at True Blue LA. He said, "Hey, I need someone to come over and help uh, write." And then next thing you know, I was over there, and then I just started writing and writing and writing and writing, and then here we are. So, thank you uh, well, for that. No, avenue. I mean you had the you're great. Um, you took it much farther, honestly, than I. I mean, you know, I set it up, obviously, and I'm proud of it, but you've taken it much farther and been more dedicated, ultimately, than I was, which I, speaking with the ego I have, which is saying something. So it's great what you've done. And, uh, I mean, you're the main person I read, and uh, I'm glad it worked out. I mean, I'm aware of the genesis of it. Uh I don't know if I think Mike Petriello kind of was the same story. Um, and I'm proud of it because even though I don't do Dodger thoughts very much anymore, um, I feel like, I mean, now I don't, there's no battle left to fight. People are doing 
uh, people are doing what the original mission of the, of Dodger Thoughts was. So that I basically can, you know, I'm basically doing my thing on Twitter. You know, <laughs> I'm not really. Um, I don't need to. Uh, there's nothing I really need to say in blog form, and then or longhand form, and then I save my poetry for the novels I'm trying to write that I have yet to turn into an actual thing. Uh, have, I, I know I mentioned two books. I was talking about the Dodgers book. You, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you have finished another novel, or you finished a novel, but are still sort of waiting to see what's happening with it, or, or what, what's the story there? Because I'm just, no, it's a the, lot of writing. The first novel's, the first novel's yeah. been done for a year, and I'm just yeah. trying. To, uh, sure. I wanted to get, you know, I wanted lightning to strike and have it published right away. That doesn't, didn't work out that way, but I'm still very actively trying to get it published. And I started a second one. Um, that is, it's gonna, it took me three years to write the first one. It's probably going to take a, a similar amount of time if yeah. I can get through it to write this one. And again, partly because I have a job. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, time, time is precious. Well, you, you gave me a lot of your time today. So, Thank you very much uh, for doing this. Happy anniversary on Dodger Thoughts. And if folks want to follow John on Twitter, he's at John Wiseman, J-O-N-W-E-I-S-M-A-N. And you can read his work uh, at Dodger Thoughts. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>